Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Her name was Annie, Annie Edison Taylor, born in the mid to late 1800s. She was a woman like any other of the time, that is, until she endured incredible hardship. She lost a husband. She lost a child. She endured a time of financial poverty and even ended up having people living with her or that she somehow was taking care of, which had become a new financial responsibility. And having lost her own livelihood, she had begun to watch great magicians, quote unquote, of the time, drawing crowds and making money and so She devised a plan, a plan that included a wooden barrel, the one that you see on the screen behind, standing nearly as tall as her. And her plan was, I will climb in this barrel and I will be cut from the island and I will go with the flow over Horseshoe Falls, known to us as Niagara Falls. And in 1901, this slightly crazy lady, Annie Edison Taylor, in October of 1901, she did in fact make the plunge over the falls. Three men had already been recorded as dying in going over the falls, but she is the first individual to intentionally and successfully try their hand, so to speak, at going with the flow over the falls. While she did, in fact, live, she was quoted to say these words, I would rather stand at the face of a loaded cannon than try this again. She attempted this feat for financial gain, which it did bring her, for popularity, which it did yield her, for the elimination of financial woes, which it did come her way. But highlights are short-lived. Shooting stars twinkle for only a moment. And it is the unfortunate reality that ever since 1901, when this sweet Annie found her way over the falls, that many men and women have tried their hand. And when I say many, I recognize it's dozens, not hundreds. But those dozens are not all that mentally sound. But they have followed her fame over the falls to which I would tell you, 
You better be careful who you follow into the flow. Because while many have followed Annie into that flow, that flow that generates some 681,000 plus gallons of water per second. Some 2,200 foot breadth across between while that nearly 700,000 gallons of water per second cascades over. Its beauty from a distance is its horrific nature in close proximity. And dozens have followed her for a taste of fame and a handful have made it, but several have not. Have some engineered uh, crafts, metal and wood and rubber tubing that have made it? Yeah, there, there have been a handful in the, in the last hundred plus years since 1901 that have stepped into that flow and without fail, one after another have told them what I thought it would be because became much scarier in actuality. Those we cannot interview, those we cannot call to recollection are those who thought it would be fun, but it cost them their life. And the truth is today that many of us know individuals who followed the wrong person into the wrong flow. And following the wrong person into the wrong flow, instead of leaving them with a testimony, left them with a testament. Instead of leaving them with inspiration, it left them, it left them with an inscription upon a tombstone. And if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, we will look at that which is fascinating and we will be caught up in it. Not considering the fatalistic reality which could come with it. There was, however, another lady, same letter starting her name. Her name was not Annie. Her name was Agnes. Same year, 1901, but she was not at those falls there at the Canadian border. No, that's not the flow she climbed into. She climbed into the flow in a little town called Topeka. In 1901, a different woman with a different name and a different story climbed in a flow that would become much more realistically understood than the expanse of 2,200 feet that covered between the American and Canadian side. It would teach us that it was greater than the nearly 700,000 gallons that flow per second over the Horseshoe Falls. Because in 1901, Agnes Osmond, who was there with Charles Parham had begun praying, let the Holy Ghost fall on me. And while I was not there that night, I can tell you this, history records something in the modern Pentecostal movement. It did not start with her any more than the flow of the Horseshoe Falls started with Annie Taylor. The flow didn't begin with Annie Taylor. She just made it famous in a new way for a new generation. And there was a little old feeble prayer warrior that crawled into a flow in the middle of Kansas. 
And it was over a hundred years ago where she said, I know the flow is not new. I see in this book that the flow has been going for a long time. And I know no one has been crazy enough to get in it. But what would happen if I would get myself in the flow? Who knows what might happen if I would get myself in the flow? Can I tell you that we are here today because people chose to get in the flow. And while there are people today trying to figure out how they can seek some thrill by crawling in Niagara Falls, I wanna get our church to immersed in the flow of the Holy Ghost. I wanna get our church immersed in a flow that has been flowing ever since Acts, the second chapter. It has been flowing since they were gathered in an upper room when there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. I don't want to get in that flow, but I do want to get in this one. It started the kind of flow that would lead to Azusa Street. The kind of flow that would lead to Azusa Street in Los Angeles where they would pour in there. I was reading again about that revival this morning. That revival didn't last weeks. That revival didn't last months. That revival lasted years because once they got caught up in the flow, Here's the thing, anybody in this room you ever tried to wade across a creek and you thought the flow was okay until you got out in it? I remember trying to wade across the creek one time we were on vacation and I thought to myself from the bank, I can do this. I could not. I found out when the flow drenched my clothes and the flow had me fighting against the current, that there are some flows that if you get into them, they will take you and they will carry you. This flow here with nearly 700,000 gallons of water per second, I'm telling you, you don't have time to change your mind. Once they untie you from the edge of that goose island or whatever it is, they didn't have chance in that barrel to say, never mind. Going over the side of that horseshoe, dropping down. Wait, I'm changed. But I found this. The worst thing we can do is get in this flow and then try to take control. Because if we really get in the flow of God, he will carry us where we need to go and direct us where we need to be and lead us. Here's what I'm after this morning. I'm after somebody going back to the time when the Holy Ghost helped you make every choice and the Holy Ghost told you everything you were gonna do. The Holy Ghost woke you up to pray. The Holy Ghost dictated where your family would go. The Holy Ghost dictated what you... I'm gonna preach it like I feel it. The Holy Ghost dictated when you'd go on a fast. The Holy Ghost dictated your faithfulness to church. You don't have to worry. I'm glad we're here today. The Holy Ghost ought to help dictate that. When you don't wanna be faithful to church, the Holy Ghost, the flow, will bring you back into communal gathering with the body. Oh yes, it will. It is the book of John to where I would draw your attention for our text today. John chapter seven, an incredible time at the ending of the feast. John chapter seven, verse 37. 
in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, what's the contingency? They've got to be thirsty. What's the contingency? They've got to thirst. If any man thirst, what? Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of what? Living water out of his belly. This is all intentional speech from Christ. He is standing on the threshold out of eternity and in time at the ending of the Feast of Tabernacles where for the last seven days, for the last seven days, Pastor Lopez, they have walked and taken that pitcher to the pool of Siloam and they would dip that pitcher in the pool of Siloam and for the last seven days, they would pour that water out in in the demonstration of their time in the wilderness. But on the eighth day, it was symbolic of the fact that they had come into Canaan land and there was provision from God in the promised land. And on the day when they had stopped going and getting the water, Jesus said, I've got a word that's gonna bother some of you. But if any man thirst, he doesn't need to walk to the pool of Siloam and he doesn't need to redream about days gone by. He needs to come to me. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and I will provide in his belly rivers of living. Well, I'm wondering if there's anybody in this room. What were you talking about, Jesus? What are you trying to tell the people? Well, it's very clear. Go one more verse. Verse 39 says, but this spake he of thee. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. He had not yet been glorified. He said, I'm telling you something. You come to this water, you'll thirst again. You come to this pool, you'll thirst again. You come to man's ability, you'll thirst again. But he that believeth on me, Calvary Tabernacle, he is still the answer. Jesus is still the answer. We've got to get in the flow of the Spirit. We've got to get in the flow of the Spirit. I'm going to say it over and over and over and over again. I want my family in the flow. I want our youth group in the flow. I want our men's ministry in the flow. I want our marriages in the flow. I want our Bible college students in the flow. I want our children ministry in the flow. I want our ladies in the flow. I want everything we, I want to be in the flow. I want to be in the flow. I want to be in the flow of the Spirit. Come on, clap your hands and magnify the Lord. Clap your hands and magnify him, somebody. Let me tell you, here's the truth. Please catch this. If you're unmoved, it's because church doesn't move you. Church will not move you. But if you get in the flow, you cannot keep yourself from being moved. Pastor, are you talking about physically? Well, kind of. But I'm talking about spiritually. 
Don't tell me that you are spiritual if you are not moved. Don't tell me that you're spiritual if you are not moved to prayer. Don't tell me you have a relationship with God if he can never wake you up. Don't tell me you have a relationship with God if you never fast. Don't tell me you have a relationship with the Spirit if you don't even read your Bible faithfully. A flow of the Spirit will carry you out of carnality and into the... He said, there's something that I can provide that will become inside of you rivers of living water that will be springing up on the inside of you. It will be moving on the inside of you. It will change who you are from the inside out. How many have found that the move of Pentecost is a change from the inside out, not the outside in? It's one of the most dangerous ailments of the church when we think that we can become holy on the outside to become holy on the inside. I got like 36 amens in a crowd of a... Come on. I got to get the river on the inside if I'm going to produce it on the outside. But I want to tell you something. Please hear me right now. This is not a game. This is not a game. If you're a first-time visitor, I've got good news for you. If you're a newer member of Calvary and you don't know this yet, I've got good news for you. You've came to the most incredible water stand you've ever been to in all of your life. But it is not like Aquafina. And it's, I don't care if you like purified or spring water. This is water that you cannot find anywhere else. It is a river of living water on the inside. It is a substance that cannot and will not and shall not run dry. It's as close as the mention of the name of Jesus. We have found that, how many have found that year after year after year after year that when you get into his presence and you let the flow begin to churn, that it'll bring you peace and it'll bring you comfort and it'll bring you strength and it'll bring you assurance. Pastor Carson, I thought going with the flow was a negative connotation. It is if we do it by the world standards. But there's always been a world standard and a God standard. There's always been a world standard and a word standard. Here's my statement for us today. And I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. Josh Carson, you got to choose which flow you're getting in. You got to choose which flow you're crawling into because you're going to get caught up in one of them because choosing to stay idle is not an option. Choosing to stay idle is not an option. So you're either going to get in the world flow or you're going to get in the kingdom flow. You're either going to get into the carnality flow or you're going to get into the heavenly flow. You're either going to get into the savvy flow or you're going to get in the spirit flow. I got news for you today. I feel like wading into the spirit. Don't we have to, Brother Massengale, don't we have to be nervous about it? No, 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 we don't have to be nervous about it. We got to do everything with decency and in order. But if I've got to choose where I'm flowing into today and what I'm flowing with, I want to flow with the word that tells me healing still happens. I want to flow with the word that tells me miracles, signs, and wonders still occur. I know, you, you hear me right now. This flow over here is filled with fear and this flow over here is filled with faith. This, oh yes it is. This flow right over here is nervous about how we're gonna get through and how we're gonna make it and if coronavirus is gonna mutate and kill everybody. 
This flow over here is filled with fear, but this flow over here is standing on the promises of God and saying, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what's around the next bend, but I know who's around the next bend. I don't know what this drop looks like, but I know who's waiting for me at the bottom. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because I'm in the flow. I'm in the flow of God's I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and magnify the Lord with me. He's trying to flow the fear out of somebody today. Yeah. Yes. If you're in this room and you've never been filled with the flow of the Holy Ghost, you ought to lift your hands and repent right now. God, forgive me for anything that might be damming up the flow, anything that might be keeping the flow back, and let your spirit fill me. When God fills you, you speak in tongues like the Bible says. You speak with other tongues. As the sp- I need a witness in this room. I need somebody to dance out of your pew and say, I believe it. I I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Come on, if we're Pentecostal, we believe in the flow of the Spirit. If we're Pentecostal, we believe in a flow of the Spirit. We believe that the Spirit blows and it moves. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and now here is the sound thereof. It just moves where it wants to move. The winds blow, the waters flow. So is the Spirit of God. What if there's an obstacle? It'll cut right through. What if people come against the flow? You can't damn up this flow. You can't stop this flow. But we can't play games with this flow. This is not water to be taken for granted. This is not water to be taken for granted. Only a handful of years ago, major lawsuit came out against the California Uh, a radio station because they had a water drinking contest. Brother Kilman, 2007 or 11, had contestants come and they had to just keep drinking water while millions of people are dying of thirst. They were drinking water frivolously. The goal was you cannot use the restroom or you're disqualified. Got to drink a thing of water every two minutes. A normal, healthy woman in her 20s who had small children and a husband at home entered the competition without the scientific data that when you abuse water, it will cost you. Some of you might not realize this in this room today. You're supposed to, most of us in this place are constantly saying, I don't get enough water. A gallon of water a day. Yeah, right. Does coffee count? I hear some of you. It does, but you got to put an asterisk next to it. Every two minutes, 
She'd line them up and she'd drink and chug that water bottle down. Every two minutes, drinking that water bottle down. But what she was doing was abusing that water and taking too much water. And what happens with the, uh, the glycerites in your body when you're not, you, you, your blood can actually, it needs to hold water at a certain percentage and it has to evacuate. While your body can take in so much water, it can only process, process so much water per hour. And because it was a time of abuse on the body, her brain begin to swell. And I don't want to go into great detail the horrific nature of this, but what it does in the brain is it presses down on your medulla oblongata, which is the sense which literally tells your body when and how to breathe. And because there was so much water that was flowing in and no water that was flowing out or exiting the body in any way, we're all adults in this room and understand what we're talking about here. She was not sweating. She was not using the restroom. There was water in, but no water out. It was an absolute waste of water, treating the water as if it had no significance. And in the result was she Two hours later, because of the abuse of water, and it came down to a massive lawsuit against these radio station jockeys. People were calling in and saying, have you ever heard of water intoxication? It is a real thing. Many in this room, maybe you've never heard about it before, but water intoxication can happen when you treat water as a game. It happens oft times. Please hear me right now, because the most common place that water intoxication ever occurs is in endurance athletes. People who have ran so long, they break down the electrolytes in their body and, and, and the way that their blood is holding somewhere along the way, they just came and grabbed water and grabbed water and grabbed water, but there was no balance with the water. Multiple, multiple endurance athletes, marathon runners and long extended marathon runners have died as a result of water intoxication because somewhere along the way, water was abused rather than appreciated. God forbid that we have this flow and do not appreciate what we have. God forbid that we treat it like it's just our, our entitled right to lap up the water and there is no flow of the water. That we treat it as though it's only meant to give to us and not us to give to others. If we are not careful, we will treat the flow like it's just gotta be there because the flow owes me something. If, oh man, you owe me something. Jesus said, I need you to know that the flow is here, but I need you to know what the flow is. The flow is not to be taken for granted. The flow is to be appreciated. These rivers of living water are meant not just to get you from today to tomorrow. And I'm going to address that right now in live timing. They're not just meant to get you from today to tomorrow, but they are meant, Brother Barkas, to get us from today to eternity. This flow that we're talking, this flow might get you a shooting star sensation of flow blowing over the falls, the Niagara, and everybody wants your picture. And if you make it, they want an interview. This one might get you an interview with the mayor, but this one's going to get you an interview in glory. This one might get you an interview with some popular sports magazine, but this one right here is going to put you around the throne one day. And Woo, if you're going to choose which flow to crawl into. And so I want to address this in real time. Ladies and gentlemen of God, we are meant to do more than simply try to make it from day to day. 
We are meant to be empowered in the Holy Ghost to live for more than from, oh, if I can only make it till tomorrow. And I understand that hardship comes. And I understand that life occurs. But there is something promised from Christ. This same Christ that has given us the understanding of which he spoke of the Spirit. He also said that the thief came to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Brother Mackey said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So no, I don't want to wake up tomorrow at the end of some highlight Niagara Falls moment and say, I'm just as empty today as I was yesterday. How many can remember the day that you were filled with the Holy Ghost? Anybody remember how you felt the next day? When I woke up the next day, all I wanted to do was pray until I talked in tongues again. That's the truth. I'm going to say something right now in this room, and I want everybody to hear me clearly. I think you ought to pray every day until you have an experience in the Holy Ghost. I do. I think you ought to pray every day until you're pulled out of this flow and into this one. I think you ought to pray every day until you get in this flow because I have found when I get in this flow, right, mom, when I get in this flow right here, it makes me think different. It makes me talk different. It makes me act different. It gives me strength. When I was feeling fearful, it gives me faith. When I get in this flow right here, it changes the way. I got a shocker for you. It changes the Brother Honeycutt, it changes the way I treat people. <laughs> when I'm in this flow, if I'm not getting credit, I get edgy. Are you Annie? Are you the old has-been? Used to? Oh, a dozen people have done that since you. Because people can replicate this. Humans can replicate this side. But only God. <laughs> people can try to remanufacture this. But I found something. <laughs> That's why we don't, listen, Pentecostals, isn't it true? That's why we don't care if the world thinks we're crazy. That's why it doesn't care. We don't even care if our families don't like the way we live because we found something in this flow. It's like the one guy, I heard the one guy say, his family told him, you've been brainwashed. He said, no, I've been bloodwashed. I wasn't brainwashed. I was bloodwashed. I got in the flow. I got in the flow. And I found that when I'm in the flow of the Spirit, I don't care who sees me. I don't care who talks about me. Stand with me all over this house. Now, if you're here today, and you have never been filled with the flow of the Holy Ghost, which is, which is very, very simply the Spirit of God. Jesus had told them, the Comforter is coming. The Comforter is coming. Not yet been glorified. The Holy Ghost is coming. And they're standing talking to Christ after the resurrection. Go! Terry in Jerusalem. I don't want to. You have to. Go wait. The comforter's coming. Whew. Lord's gone. They go to Jerusalem. They tarry. College student asked me a great question the other day in class. 
said, how do we, how do we really say the difference between whether we're apostolic or Pentecostal? We are. So everybody catch this. We are apostolic in doctrine. And we are Pentecostal in experience. Apostolic in doctrine. Pentecostal in experience. What's that mean? Pretty easy. We believe the doctrine of the apostles. We believe the doctrine of the apostles. That's, a, that's pretty strong. And our experience is because we believe the Holy Spirit was really poured out. It fell on men. In Acts 2, we watch it fall. But it has been falling ever since. Or should I say it has been flowing ever since. Because we often say fall and it did fall. But he said, you're going to be baptized with it. You were baptized in the water, but you're going to be baptized in the spirit. Not many days hence. Baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Ooh. And there they were. I don't know exactly how many started. I do know 120 stuck with it. And suddenly. There came a sound from heaven. My, my, my. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. You know what? Not everyone in here is as Pentecostal as you. Let's all turn there. Acts 2. Acts 2. Let's put it on the screen too. Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, turn there digitally or on paper or look to the screen. And when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. With what? What were they filled with? Come on, let's try to get in one accord in this place. What were they filled with? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What happened? They began to speak with other tongues. How did they do it? As the Spirit... As the Spirit, as the Spirit, not this flow, this flow, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, now, in case you're new to this, there were dwelling at Jerusalem. This is a different feast. There were dwelling at Jerusalem. It's a feast of Pentecost. Dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews. Devout men out of every nation under heaven. They were all there to eat. Some of them were just going to get a new meal. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, both flows will gather a crowd. Good music will gather a crowd. Lights will gather a crowd. But if we gather a crowd and all we've got is a flow that'll leave them empty. But if we can gather a crowd, if we can gather a crowd and get them to this flow, when it was noise abroad, the multitude came together. And what happened? They were confounded because they heard, every man heard them speak in his own language. And what happened? They were all amazed. They marveled, saying one to another, having sideline conversations. They stood next to the edge of the flow and they began to speak to one another. Are not all these which speak Galileans? Shouldn't they all be speaking the same language? If that's accurate, then how hear we every man in our own tongue? How is it possible? The people that spoke this language spoke to each other. The people, the people that spoke this language spoke to each other. And they're talking one amongst another. Aren't they Galileans? How are they magnifying God in our language? Ha, ha, ha. The commotion drew the crowd. But we've got to get them past confusion to confession. We've got to get people past confusion to confession. Read down through them, 9 and 10 and 11, and you can see where all they're coming from. And they were all amazed, and they were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? And there was a group that wanted to make fun of it so that it would go away, because there is always a group that would rather mock than consider it miraculous. Hear me right now in 2022, clear word for the church during kingdom work this year. We will not be silenced by the mocking crowd. We will not allow, we will not be stagnated by the mockers. We're going to take those who want the move of the Spirit and we're going to move forward. What about the people that are saying we're crazy? There've always been people that think we're crazy until they get in the flow. They were mocking saying, they're drunk, they're full of new wine. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the 11. He was always strong, but man fully fresh of the Holy Ghost. He stood up amongst the 11. And they started listening to him preach in a way they never had. Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunk as ye suppose. Woo. It is only the third hour of the day. This flow is not this flow. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Job. It was prophesied a long time ago. He starts preaching Jesus. He 
starts preaching Jesus. Well, pastor, who do we preach? Do we preach God or do we preach Jesus or do we preach the Holy Ghost? Good news. When you preach Jesus, you preach God. When you preach Jesus, you preach the Holy Ghost. Because God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was preached unto the dead. He was believed on in the world. He was received up in the glory. When you preach about Jesus, you preach about the fullness of the Godhead. Man of When we preach about Jesus, we preach about the flood. Come on, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus. I want everybody, I want want everybody to grab a neighbor. And I want you to ask them this question. Are you, com- are you comfortable to get as close to the front as we can? Corral, grab another corral member. Get down here on the platform as close to me as you can. Don't get in the altar because you'll block somebody out. Bible college students, grab somebody. Bring them up those side steps. Crawl in on the side of this platform. Leave the altar room open. Do it on the sides. Get all the way to the front line. Grab somebody and bring them. Because Peter started preaching. And when Peter started preaching Jesus, what did he preach? He preached Joel's prophecy is what you're watching. And here's why. Because Jesus that you crucified is both Lord and Christ. He was not just Lord. He was and is the Savior. What are we going to be? We're going to be a Pentecostal church. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to tell you who I was. If I was there on the day of Pentecost, I'm as close as I could get. Do you hear me right now? You can get to the place where church doesn't move you. We can get to the place where church does not move us. But you cannot get in the spirit and tell me that you won't be moved. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're unmoved, you are not in the spirit. If you don't like that, you are not in the spirit. When you're in the spirit, it will dictate where you go. It will dictate what you do. The Bible says, hear me now, hear me now. The Bible says when they heard it, Logan, they were pricked in their heart. They were moved by Peter's preaching because brother Massengale, it was conviction preaching. It was conviction preaching. There was nothing about Peter's preaching designed to make them feel good. It is one of the worst things, if we're not careful, about the modern church is we will preach to make people feel good. 
The apostles did not preach to make people feel good. They preached Jesus. And Jesus was counter-cultural, completely controversial. They preached Jesus, and some people got mad. But others said, what do we do? Peter, don't preach that and not tell us what to do. And Peter said, I'm glad you asked. You've got to repent. Repent of your sin. He said, you've got to repent. And you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Listen to me. Just saying I'm sorry is not enough without baptism. Why do we place such an emphasis on this? Because we're apostolic in doctrine and Pentecostal in experience. And I cannot say I walk in the Spirit if I don't even flow with the Spirit. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall what? Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And while they're standing there and the questions begin to form. And some of them are thinking, but we're not Galileans. Peter doesn't even take a breath. And he says, for the promise is unto you and unto your children. And all that are afar off, even as many as the... It's for you. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for your grandchildren. It's for your children's children. It's for your aunts. It's for your uncle. It's for everybody. The Spirit of So I have a very direct assignment this morning. It is that we might pray as a church for a flowing of the Spirit. 